Are you in the habit of starting over when it comes to losing weight? Most of us pair an ideal number on the scale with an end date on the calendar when trying to lose weight, and then we radically alter our diet and exercise routines in a full sprint towards the goal. And whether we fail or succeed, within a few months, our body has likely returned to that enigmatic set point weight, and we get tired of swimming against the tide. You're going to love my guest today, Alan Meisner. He is the top-ranking podcast host of 40 Plus Fitness and also the author of The Wellness Roadmap. You're going to walk away from this episode with a clear understanding of how to avoid the mindset mistakes that make sustainable weight loss impossible. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a sober-ish recovery coach, helping high-achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. One of the seven core principles in emotional sobriety that I teach is identity. Because the mismatch between who you think you are and who you want to be is mental, not physical. And the invisible brick wall that we all hit when it comes to change is that our behavior always aligns with our identity. You don't do or think or feel anything that doesn't match that internal idea of who you think you are. And so the problem is that if you see yourself as a fat slob who needs to lose weight, or an over drinker who loses control with alcohol, or just someone who needs to change in general, because who you are in this moment as you are isn't good enough. And if that's your true opinion of yourself, all the willpower and discipline and brilliant strategies for habit change will eventually fail, which is why the primary change that you need to make is in your relationship with yourself. Weight loss, drinking less, working out more, whatever it is that you want to do, all of those goals will simply become side effects of being a person who loves herself and prioritizes her own needs, and self-care. This is the work that we do in the next chapter. I can help you shift your identity from being the person who is struggling to becoming the person who is caring for the body that is struggling. Like the big mistake we make is to think that if I love myself at this weight, I'm never gonna lose it. Or if I love myself with a hangover, I'm gonna keep doing this. And so we beat ourselves up. But if beating ourselves up worked, we'd all be thin, sober, and amazing. Am I right? So changing how you think about yourself is the only way to escape the hamster wheel of any self-sabotaging, self-defeating behavior. And this is easier and more possible than you think it is. You already know how to do hard things for the people that you love. Even when you don't approve of where they're at, even when it's hard on you, 
And even when you're not sure your investment is going to pay off because they might not follow through. Like we do that for our people all the time. Learning to do that for yourself requires a mindset shift. And that is what Alan and I are discussing today. He's here to share a specific mindset mapping strategy that teaches you how to support your external goals by strengthening your connection to both your identity and your core values. Alan is very candid and vulnerable and shares his own journey from, you know, continually waking up fat and hungover and not where he wants to be. And then that roller coaster of short-term fitness and diet and how he escaped all that. I really enjoyed talking to him and I'm excited to share this interview with you. So let's dive in. Alan, it's so nice to meet you, and I'm excited to talk to you today. And I have to tell you that as I look through all of your information, you know, seeing that you're a functional aging specialist, you know, that says a lot about how far I've come in my life that I'm excited to talk to you. You know, I had my 50th birthday this last year, and just turning upside down with everything I thought I knew, you know, I've been a personal trainer and a yoga teacher and a marathon runner and a health coach and all the things and just how the strategies that got us here aren't going to get us there. And one thing that really attracted me to you is the story of how you came to be where you're at in life. And it's just such a heartwarming comeback story, you know, the hero journey, if you will. So I would love it if you would introduce yourself to my audience and share a little bit about where you were and how you got here. Yes. Thank you. I, I'm Alan Meisner. Uh, a lot of people call me Coach Alan. Basically, I was about 39 years old when I realized I was no longer invincible. <laughs> I was no longer an athlete. I was no longer healthy. I was no longer fit. I was no longer happy. About all I had going for me was a career. I was really good at my work and I had worked up to C-suite. I was a vice president in a Fortune 500 company, which is the dream. You know, you're 39 years old, you're managing a lot of people, you're all over the world, you're jet setting and you're making the money. But I was completely miserable. And so I forced myself to take a vacation and I went down to Mexico to a resort. I went ahead and signed up for a timeshare, just walked in the door and just signed up because I said, I need something to keep me taking vacations because I hadn't taken one in three years. I was the kind of guy who would just let his vacation days just roll off the table, you know, just keep working. So I took, I forced myself to take the vacation. I forced myself to buy the timeshare. And I went out that next morning. I was pretty excited. I saw that there was sand volleyball. So I went out to play sand volleyball And I got into the game, and this was not an intense two-on-two sand volleyball match that you see on TV. This was six people standing around in the sand, just bumping the ball around. And I lost my breath. I thought I was, I literally thought I wasn't going to make it through the game. And so I subbed out after the first game. And I'm literally sitting there thinking, I might need to call them and tell them to take me to the hospital because I'm not Mm -hmm. sure what's going on. It took me a long time to recover. And so I decided, I'm like, okay, I got to do something. The next morning I'm sitting on the beach and I'm like, okay, I have to fix this. This is not who I'm meant to be, especially not at 39 years old. And I said, okay, I'm going to change this. But of course I'd paid for the all-inclusive. So I still drank my butt off for the rest of the week. It's free, (laughs) right? It's free. Yeah. Yeah, It was was not free, but it was paid for. I know, I I know. Yeah, Yeah. but it does. And it incentivizes a little bit there. And so I just went crazy for the rest of the week. And then I said, okay, when I get home. And I did. I got home and I tried and I failed. 
and I tried and made a little bit of ground and I failed. And I tried again and hurt myself. And I tried again and I failed. And I tried again and it just was back and forth. I could lose 20, maybe 30 pounds, but then I'd pack it right back on and more. And I don't even really know what I weighed when I first started this journey. I just know I, I woke up in a hotel room in Malaysia, hungover, and not again. <laughs> I'm right back to yeah. where I was, miserable, overweight, unhealthy, unfit, and just not liking anything. And it also happened that day before I'd had a conversation with my daughter and she's, she was getting into the CrossFit and she was getting into the mud runs. And so she was a level one CrossFit coach. And it just, I was sitting having a conversation. I was so proud of her and what she was accomplishing. And then she said something to me. She said, daddy, I want you to come watch me in this CrossFit comp competition. And that just hit me like bricks because I was never meant to be a spectator in my daughter's life. I'm supposed to be a participant. If she's going to this competition, I should be going with her. This should mm -hmm. not be something where I'm sitting on the sideline. You know? At that point, I made this commitment to change. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew everything I'd tried before didn't work. There was nobody out there who knew how to train me, uh, nobody who could train me but me. And so I literally started training myself on how to get fit, how to eat right, and how to move right. And so I started getting these certifications to train myself because I was traveling so much that quite literally it, it just didn't make sense. I couldn't hire a coach because you hire a trainer, but you're only home a few days a, a month that just doesn't work. So I, I got my certifications and I made a commitment though that day when I said, okay, I got to change something. I literally called my daughter back and I said, Hey, how about we do a Tough mutter? Now, a Tough mutter, if you don't know, is like a 12 to 13 mile mud run. At the time, it was probably the most intense thing you could do mm -hmm. that wasn't military. It's and, not an Ironman. It's yeah, it's not an Ironman, but it's yeah. it, this is a mud run. And this was one of the few races besides a marathon or an Ironman that someone died at. So this, this was okay. not like a joke. Okay, 11, you know, nine months later, I have this intention of doing something crazy like that. And I wanted to do it with my CrossFit daughter. And so I was like, I don't want to slow her down. I don't want her to think I'm going to die out there. So I have to do something. And so I had that kind of hard stop in front of me of like, okay, I, this is, I'm either going to do it or I'm going to die, you know, because <laughs> that's yeah, how I felt yeah. about it. And I was that committed. I put that big of a big audacious goal in front of me. And then I started training and then I started eating right. And then I started changing my habits because it was, you know, you work all day, you're at a hotel somewhere in the world, you go into the hotel bar and you do what you do. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up yeah. the next day and you do it again, which yeah. is again, why I woke up in that hotel hungover was because that was my every day on the road, you know, was eating bad food, drinking at the bar, going to work, stressed out, long hours, rest and, you know, repeat, sort of rest. You don't really rest, but you lay down in the bed for a few hours. Right. And so that was it. I, I had to change something. And it was really just understanding my why, which was my daughter and eventually having grandkids. And so I wanted to be able to participate. I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to be sitting in a wheelchair looking at my grandkids on the floor. I want to be on the floor playing with them. Yeah. Whether I'm in my 60s, my 70s, or whatever. So what was different 
I hear you say that, you know, you had a why, you had a strong why, which at that point was your daughter. And of course, obviously that transitions over time to yourself being able to enjoy your daughter, but whatever gets you in the door. But one of the things that I read about you is you said, it's not enough to make a decision. Yeah. And it sounds like in, in the previous times, you know, there was decisions, there was effort, but what was different about this? It, was it the goal coupled with a decision? I mean, how would you articulate that for somebody who's listening, who's on that roller coaster and maybe you're on the high and you're two months in, but that fear that yeah. at some point I'm going to wake up fat and hung over again. Like it's just a matter of time. How long can I hold my breath? What's the difference between that roller coaster and then actually where you feel like, okay, this is just my lifestyle now? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I've I've done a lot of soul searching. And now since I've coached a lot of people, what I've come to realize is that we have these presets in our brain, these mindsets that just block us. Mm -hmm. And so when I was first starting out, what I realized was I saw myself in my past. I didn't see myself in my future. And so now I I classify that as a windshield person. I'm spending more time looking in the rearview mirror look, I used to be an athlete. I should be an athlete, but I'm not. Then looking ahead and just realizing this is where I am. This is where I'm sitting. If I want to go forward, I can't be looking in my rearview mirror. I have to look out my windshield. And then, so I kind of worked through, I'd worked through that mindset of saying, no, I can't come at this like I was as an athlete when I was 29. I can't break myself. I've got to find a way to be gentle to myself. That's where the functional aging part of this all came in and saying, okay, if I break myself, I'm not going to be there. Corrective exercise. How do I improve myself? You know, all those things I was learning was I was applying as I was going. And then so after I stopped looking back in the windshield, what I found was that I was very much what I call a tires, meaning I had to have traction. The instant I let myself lose traction, I just slid down the hill and into the ditch. And so I started doing things that made me realize, okay, I I have traction. I may not physically see that I'm stronger or better, but if I make it to the next day, I do today, right? Then that's today. And then tomorrow, just start with today. If I do today, I've got today, the next day. And so I would put little marks on a calendar or I would sit there and just do things like streaks. You know, I wanted to see a streak somewhere Mm -hmm. that would tell Mm -hmm. me, okay, yes, you did this. You did this again. You did this again. You do hard things. You keep doing hard things. That's, you know, just the way I approached it for a while. And then it was, yes, there was that point where I sat there and said, I have to have a big audacious goal in front of me. That's someone who's an atlas. An atlas is someone who's very goal oriented. So if they write little goals, they're not excited about them. If they write big goals, then they, they it's almost frightening goals. It pushes them to work harder. If they have no goals, then you just, you're all over the place. So it, it is these series of mindsets. And there's a couple of others that I've identified with clients. You might recognize this one. If you're a parent, you're, you have all these obligations. Of course, I got to take care of the kids. I got to take care of the spouse. I got to have the job. I got to keep the house. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Oh, no time for me. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And that's a mindset. That's not a reality. It's a mindset. We, we put that on ourselves and think we don't have time. We're just not, we're not organizing our time. We're not prioritizing our time because we still have uh, Facebook accounts and Instagram and we're all still out there doing that stuff. We're watching TV, you know, we're doing these other things. If you've seen Netflix, (laughs) if if you've been drunk or seen Netflix in the last month, you have time. Yeah. 
That's kind of the whole point is that we we put things out there in our head. That's what I call the wind. That's what I call the co-pilot, someone who feels like they have to manage everything and be in everything except for themselves. And then the final one I have is pedals. And that's the person who sees something cool. So oh, I want to try that. So there's a new cabbage soup diet. Well, okay, I'm going to do the cabbage soup diet for three weeks. And so I only lost five pounds. So that's no good. I got to find something better. So then they're off to the keto diet or they're off the vegan or they're off to this. And they do it for a few weeks and they don't see the results they expect to see. So they stop. They gas pedal, rip brake, gas brake. So they're yeah. never really giving anything time to see any real results. And, and so there's a lot of people that are wired that way. They, they want that fast thing. I had one woman come to me and she said, I want to hire you. I'm like, okay, what do you need? She says, I want to lose 70 pounds. I'm like, okay. So do you have 70 pounds to lose? And she's yes. I said, okay. She says, but I need to lose it by my, by the next two months. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, what's going on in two months? She's my daughter's wedding. She wanted to lose 70 pounds in two months. And it's that, you know, that was in her head that people were doing it. She saw them in magazine covers. So she knew it could happen. She wanted to do it. And I'm like, I, that's, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to set your, you got to set your mind right at what's possible. But because she was what I would call a pedals person, she wanted somebody to give her something that would show her those kind of results. And so she wasn't going to stick with anything on her own. She wanted the magic bullet, the magic button, and it doesn't exist. So when I deal with people like that, I'm going to share with you how I reframe that and then have you talk back. And I also want you to reiterate the different types of person, people that you have so that we can hear that all together. But one of the things that I would say to her is that, you know, it's not the weight you want to lose. It's how you want to feel at your daughter's wedding. And we can accomplish the feeling. And what I loved hearing you talk about is how when you focus not on the result, but on the actions that you're taking and that you're getting that dopamine hit from showing up and doing the hard thing. Like I get a bigger rush from showing up and doing a workout when I for sure really don't want to. And I only kind of do it. Like to me, that's the bigger win than on the day when I'm riding high on my own supply and, you know, I'm going to run an extra mile because why not? You know, I'm so fast today. Like to me, the harder workout is the one I didn't want to do. And I only do a little bit. And so, so with that, I, I think the mindset shift has to be, how do you want to feel about yourself at your daughter's wedding in the middle of this journey? And what do you need to do every day between now and then so that you show up knowing you are absolutely as good as you can be in this moment? I mean, how do you work with people with that? You know, I would say that probably 95% of the people that come to me, they just want one thing, weight loss. It's been yeah. drilled in their head that weight loss is the answer. If you're losing yeah. weight, you're getting healthier. If you're gaining weight, you're getting unhealthy. It's not entirely true. And it's not a very good measure to measure because I could, right here today, I could help you lose 11 pounds. You just have to do one thing, cut off your head. It weighs about 11 <laughs> pounds. Quickly, you realize there's parts of my body I actually want to keep. You know, mm-hmm. I want to keep my head. I want to keep my muscle. I want to keep my bone density. I want to keep the water. What I want to lose is body fat. And that means that I've got to approach it in a very specific way where I'm doing it the right way. And unfortunately, every easy way is not the right way. It, in, in some case or another, you always find the easy one has some drawback that affects losing something else. 
And so it's not mm-hmm. making you healthier when you lose the weight. Yes, you're seeing the scale go down and that feels great. But again, that's not a measure of how healthy you are, unfortunately. Can you put that into a bigger picture as you work specifically with weight loss people? You know, I work with people who want to quit drinking. They think sobriety is the answer. And when you zoom out on the five-year term, most people don't stay sober forever. So it's, to me, sobriety is like the keto diet or something where it can work short term. You can achieve the results, but you got to integrate back onto the main drive of the highway of life and you have to decide, you know, how to reintegrate your life. So talk to me a little bit about what, what... I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I get what you're saying. The actual word I use is is called sustainability. I yes. don't put people on diets. I don't put them on temporary intense workouts. What I do with my coaching is I say, okay, let's talk about where you are right now. And then what can we do to just improve that a little bit? And then we improve that a little bit. Now there's going to be some situations where they need to sprint. They need to go fast. They need to get to a yeah. point. And we do can do that. But I, what I never want to introduce something to a client and say, this is a temporary thing. And then we're going to go back to some kind of normal. What I say is if we do something sustainable and we're in a constant state of improvement, it's always normal. And when you get to the end, it's still normal your body is going to adapt and change as you change. So as you change your nutrition, as you change your movement, your body will improve. It will get to a point. So you're not going to lose weight to zero. (laughs) You know, we're going to get to a point where your weight loss is going to plateau. And sometimes you're going to be happy with that weight. Your body's definitely happy with it. If you feel healthy and you're moving and you feel good, everything's good. You look in the mirror in the morning and you, you're alive. You see your skin is alive. It's, it's shiny. It's healthy. Your eyes are shiny and healthy. Then you've done things to improve your health. And you may still, if you stick with it, you're still improving things on the inside that don't necessarily show on the outside and definitely don't show on a scale. The end of it is if we're introducing things that you know you can do for the rest of your life, then you have a highway. Occasionally, you will take a departure. I'm going on this cruise. Okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to stay this way or do I want to enjoy some of the food, some of the drinks? We're going to Italy. Do I want to drink some of the wine? You know, and it's, so it's that mindset of if I go into this with the path of I always have to do this, then I'm not where I need to be. But I can take that detour. I can be on a path and say, okay, for the most part, no, I don't need this in my life. You know, I don't need sugar or I don't need alcohol or I don't need processed foods. And so we've effectively eliminated those. But if I went over to my Aunt Martha's house and she said, hey, I baked some cookies. Are you going to tell Martha no? (laughs) Are you going to say, no, I'm not going to eat your cookies. You're going to eat a damn cookie. Grow up. If your friend called you and said, hey, I'm really feeling bad. Can we go out for a few drinks and let me talk through this problem? I'm going through a breakup. I need to talk. Okay. They may understand your situation or they may not, but if they go in and you say, okay, okay, great. I should be able to go in and have a drink or two and, and talk to my friend, get them past this point. That's what a good friend does. So it's more about the sustainability of your life. Take a detour when you need to. A lot of them will be planned. Like I know when this cruise is, so I can kind of plan, okay, there's a gym in on the boat. I can look at what some of their nutrition things are and say, okay, this is kind of where I'm going to do this. And then I have a plan going into that detour and have a plan to get back. So the the cruise ends on Sunday. 
I'm, I'm back on Monday morning. So let's talk a little bit about the mindset that is underneath that, because I'd love to juxtapose the long-term results of the person, like how do we enroll the person who's listening and all they care about is seriously though, I really want to lose weight for the wedding. Like seriously, that's really what I want to do. How do we enroll them to show them that a year from now, that sort of rapid, you know, temporary where it's not your normal, it's just something that you're doing now. And then juxtapose that with the person whose normal is to live this lifestyle that sustains them. And then when they go on the cruise or they go out for drinks with a friend, how, what's the mindset that has to be in place? Because so often, if you are the all or nothing person, you go out for drinks with the friend or you go on the cruise and then you never come back. Then you're like, I've already screwed up. Talk to me a little bit about the mindset work that has to be done to make this shift so that you can detour from your normal, but your normal has to be the sustainable, not the exception. I I think that comes down to a concept I call fit for task. Okay. And so a lot of us look at fitness and say, okay, fitness is what I see on the TV. It's those athletes running. It's the CrossFit competition and they, they call themselves the greatest athletes on the planet. You know, they're actually trying to find that person for male, female, different age groups. But the reality is fitness is for you to be as fit as you need to be. It's for you to be the person you're supposed to be. So the reality of it is, okay, yes, if you're going to a wedding and you want to look nice, then maybe it is time for a short sprint. You know, we can do a short sprint and we can't do 70 pounds in two months sprint. That's not going to happen, but we can do a sprint. We can sit there and say, okay, we're going to really tighten down for a short period of time. That's the pace I can do. I look ahead at my whole schedule. I say, okay, what's happening in the next two months? What would prevent me from being successful at this? And we account for that. We make sure we plan for it. And because, you know, if you're like, okay, I've got my birthday, I got my wife's birthday, I got this, and then we got that. And then the wedding, It's like, are you really going to stick with your eating plan? Are you going to still stick with your movement plan with all of those obstacles? So you've got to find the motivation to do that, which I think we'll talk about in a few minutes. But this is about looking at it and saying, okay, fine, I get to the wedding. Let's say I lose the 20, I lose 20 pounds in two months, which I think anyone over the age of 40 would say that's unbelievable. That's fantastic. It's possible. If we do a sprint, we can definitely get there. But when you get done with the wedding, your life doesn't just stop. It's not like the end of the book. We close it and say, okay, good, the end. I feel really good. No, there's the next chapter. If there's a, if there's a wedding, uh, a lot of times that means a child might come into the world in the near future or far future. But you know that might be a thing to be considering. Okay, so what kind of grandmother do you want to be? Okay, if you're married or have a significant other or you have family, don't you want to be there to help them? You know, simple thing is uh, my grandfather, he wasn't able to do the things he loved. He turned 80 and couldn't play golf anymore. And a lot of, you know, he just told me his balance was out and we were sitting in the golf cart. He couldn't play. He didn't want to hit balls. He didn't want to be on the golf course because it now was painful for him to see a golf course. But he went there for lunch, but then he didn't go play golf with everybody. And so he was 80. Everybody like, he's 80. Okay. You know, he's towards the end of life. He lived 15 more years. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing that happened is he got to the age of 90, he couldn't take care of himself anymore. He couldn't get up from the couch and his chair and make it into the bathroom in time. 
So he didn't want anybody to see him. So I didn't see him for the last five years of his life. Yeah. In fact, there's only one person in the family he would let see him. And so I, I make this joke, but I mean it in full force. I want to be able to wipe my own butt when I'm 105. Yeah. And I get giggles out of that, but I want you to un- unpack that a little bit in your head. One, how do you live a long, healthy life? Not just a long life because he's, he lived to 95. So the last five years of his life, I didn't get to see him, but he was, he had to be miserable, unable to yeah. take care of himself, having to be cleaned up practically every day. It sounds like what the difference is having a picture of the through line. It's not the goal and then stop. It's yeah. actually, you have to, if you're shooting an arrow or you're trying to make a target, you focus through it. You have to aim beyond it so that you hit the target, but the ball keeps on going. And I think that's the mindset that we forget is that, okay, I'm going to feel amazing at the wedding. And we don't, we literally don't think about the day after the wedding, the month after a wedding, how we're going to feel two months after we lost all the weight and then we gained it all back. Like this whole thing just requires what I call you to use the zoom feature on your brain. You got to zoom out and see, does this goal align with where I want to be in two months and one year and five years and wiping my butt when I'm a hundred. So can you talk to me a little bit about the motivation aspect? What do people get wrong and how we fix it? Okay. Most of us will sit back and we'll say, okay, I was unmotivated. I don't have willpower. I'm, I'm not disciplined. And we're mad at ourselves for it, but we also accept that's how just about everybody is because we're open. That's one of the things we're not, there's no shame in saying I'm, I'm unmotivated. I didn't have the motivation, which there shouldn't be shame in any of this, but we wait for motivation to show up. Mm. This year, January 1st was on a Monday. Mm. Guess what everybody does? I will start my plan on January 1st. I'll start on Monday. I will, and then really it's, we just sit and hope, okay, when I show up on Monday, I hope motivation is there. When the alarm goes off at 5.30 and I have to get up to go do my exercises, I really do hope motivation shows up. Or I'm walking into a cafeteria and I know I should walk over to the left where there's fresh food and salads and meats and things like that. Or I could go to the right and have some pizza or calzones. And I smell the calzones. I don't smell the the vegetables. And I'm waiting. Where, okay, where are you, motivation? Stop me. Uh, temptation's yelling at yeah. me and you're not helping. If we sit back and we wait for something to happen, it almost never does. Anything good, anyway. You've never been sitting there waiting for something good to happen. So what we have to do is we have to be active participants in building motivation. And the way we do that is we have a do before we can have. And the doing can be very simple. I've broken it into kind of a grid and on the page for this website, when we're going to, with this podcast, I'll send you to a page. It's going to be 40 plus fitness.com forward slash Colleen. And if you go there, you'll see a picture of this motivation map that I'm talking you through on the right side of this. If you'll think going down the right side, you have a leader and you have group and peers. Okay. And that's extrinsic. That's outside of you. So an easy way to get a little bit of motivation is to sign on with a coach because Mm -hmm. the coach is going to give you some guidance, but they're also going to hold you accountable. They're like a leader. You know, you've hired a leader to help you through this process. And because they're a babysitter, 
or a baby. Sometimes we need a baby. Sometimes look, guidance and support. That's also coaches can do that. But the reality Uh of it is you show up at the gym at six o'clock because that's what you told the trainer you were going to do. And so there's a level of accountability accountability there. It's extrinsic to you. It's outside of you, but it's accountability. It's there. Now, another way to get accountability is with a social group. So you could join a group of people. You could join a fitness class. You can join a cooking class that is going to cook healthy foods. Uh, You can surround yourself with people doing the thing you want to do. And again, they're holding you accountable. They're supporting you. And so on the, again, on the right side of this model is the, is basically going to be the accountability piece of this, the leader and then the social. Okay. On the right side is the internal or intrinsic version of this. There's also a leader and there's also a social because mm-hmm. the leader there is self-management. Mm-hmm. So you get in the habit and you start saying, okay, I, I want to go to the gym at six so I got to get up at 5.30. You actually set your alarm. You get your gym bag together. All these little self-management things that you have to do that you start doing. You start saying, I'm going to batch cook on Sunday. I'm going to go to the farmer's market on Saturday. And so you start the, doing these things because you're self-managed. You're able to do self-management. Self-management is a lot harder than hiring a coach. So if your coach mm-hmm. tells you, I want you, to do, I want you to do some batch cooking this weekend, okay, go to the farmer's market on Saturday and then go to do some batch cooking on Sunday. And I want you to have all these meals ready for yourself. So you'll be eating, you have access to healthy food. That's going to make this easier. Okay. But you have to do this yourself at some point. So this is where you turn it intrinsic. You start doing it yourself with self-management, but the most powerful one and the hardest one to get to is when you can get down to the social intrinsic. And this is when your values and habits align with healthy lifestyle you actually begin to identify that way. So easiest one for people to kind of wrap their heads around is, so someone says, okay, I'm on a couch and I'm not very healthy and fit. I'm going to start trying to walk and jog a little bit. And then they start doing this jogging. Then they see there's a 5K and they sign up for the 5K. And then after some time of doing, now they identify as a runner. And what do runners do? They Runners run. go out and run. <laughs> so now it's not, you don't even think about setting the alarm for six o'clock for five 30. It's already set. Yeah. You don't think yeah. about putting your clothes out. It's just like brushing your teeth. It's sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> you just make the bag. You don't even think about doing it. It's, it's a habit. It's a, it's a value. And so we have these four quadrants and obviously the extrin- extrinsic is easier because you just, you hire someone, you join a group. That's kind of easy. It's not sustainable on its own. I mean, if you're going to hire a coach for the rest of your life, which I think you should have coaches all the time, but you should pick and choose those coaches to help make you better, not just say, I like this guy or this gal, so I'm going to stick with them for the rest of my life. But when you start building those intrinsics uh, around the things that matter most for you, and particularly around a healthy lifestyle, you begin to get rid of bad habits. You get into more healthy habits and you build a platform for yourself that motivation's just always there. There's you're not even you're not even waiting for anything. You're doing and you're getting. And so I encourage people to have feet in all four of those quadrants because it yeah. really provides balance in your life to make sure, okay, if I have the motivation, good. If I don't, then I know my coach yeah. is gonna be there. If I have yeah. motive, if I don't have motivation, I know the group's gonna be there. So I might not yeah. feel like it. But I know my running group's going to meet tonight at, two, at seven o'clock. I'm out running with them. That's what I do. Yeah. And 
you know, that's kind of the map of it, how it lays out. We've got an, in, we're building accountability or we're building self-efficacy. And so yeah. as you think about your life, that's what I'd be working toward. So I, that was a long story, but it's, I wanted to get a good picture of that map because I think if you sit back and think about it, that's going to provide you all the motivation you'd ever need. And I love that piece in the bottom left quadrant. It sounded like the identity piece. And that's where the right coach, you know, hiring a coach to meet you at the gym at six, there's actually a deeper level hiring a coach that can help you become identity, have an identity with your values and your applied values. You know, that's where I work with women. And it sounds like you do the same thing where it's, if you go directly into the identity and start setting goals there, that the other pieces kind of fall into place. And I use this example, you know, I don't identify as somebody who eats fast food. If I'm on a desert island and there's nothing but McDonald's, I will be chewing tree, the leaves off the trees. Like I'm not interested. Here's how that affects me. When I'm on a road trip, I'm not looking at signs for McDonald's or Panera or Starbucks. Like I don't have to try to not order the Big Mac because I'm in the drive-thru at McDonald's because I'm not in the drive-thru at McDonald's. I was looking for signs for grocery stores. And so I'm in a grocery store choosing my food. So this idea of willpower doesn't even exist because your identity is what drives all of your behaviors and your thoughts and your feelings. And so when you do the work to change how you identify with yourself, like you said, your behavior just is a natural reflection of who you already are. And that, you know, the external stuff and the goals, it, it all folds in together, it interlocking piece, puzzle pieces. But that's where people thinking, I just need to hire a coach to get my butt to the gym so I can lose some weight. It's no changing who you are so that maybe you're the coach people hire. That's one of my yeah. secret hacks of life is when I want to keep something up, I just become the teacher and then I get paid to go. That's what I do. Yeah, similar to what I did, but you know, it goes a little deeper than that. We, we, some people will set a goal and just not do it. And so if setting the goal doesn't do anything, the doing is the doing. And so if you have a series of habits and, and I'm sure you know that there's the trigger, there's the action and there's a reward. And so if we go into this thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to do these things. This is who I'm going to be, but we're always going to have that trigger. And so for some people, yes, the trigger is the McDonald's sign. It's the smell that they practically pump out into the street. So when you're sitting on the intersection, you smell whatever oh, yeah. that smell, like smell is. Or something. Okay. It's, it smells a certain way. It, it elicits certain feelings. It, there's a, a thing, you know, your amygdala goes nuts and says, Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> Take, mm-hmm. you know, go over there, take me over there. And you're, you're in the drive-thru uh, for people that have built bad habits. That's where they yeah. are. So breaking those habits down is very hard. And so that's where most of your work should be. A good coach wants to coach themselves out of a job. A, a good coach wants to say, okay, we're going to start building habits and we're going to do the same things. And then we're going to build on that. And then we're going to build on that. And so we're stacking these habits up and we're building a platform where now, yes, your values are, I don't even see fast food as food anymore. You know, I, you wouldn't see me there because that's not who I am. Identity. Yeah. But that identity comes from a sequence of doing and doing and doing. It's, you can't, you really can't build that 
on your own at yeah. first, usually. Usually it does take some of this accountability piece. Yeah. Some and people will build that loop. themselves. Yeah, it is. It is. That's why I say it's good to have feet in all four of those. And if you're yeah. really aware of what your needs are and what your weaknesses are, then at that point you can say, okay, I know I'm weak in this thing. So I can tell you right now, I am trying to learn Spanish. I've lived in Panama for five years. I'm going to just have to hire a tutor. I know mm -hmm. it. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I'm, I'm just not making enough ground that I would call myself a Spanish speaker. I haven't mm. been able to identify as a Spanish speaker because I'm so uncomfortable with it. And so I know I'm going to need accountability. I'm going to need group and then self-management to push myself through, to keep doing the lessons, yeah. to keep paying for some of this stuff. And then, yes, at some point, I do want to be identified as a Spanish speaker. But the difference with you there that I want to just reflect for you, for listeners, is you have a growth mindset. You believe yes. it's possible. And so the fact that you haven't reached the goal doesn't mean you can't or you shouldn't. It just means you don't have the right support. There's more resources you need. You need more time. You need a different strategy. Keep the goal, but adjust the strategy. Yeah. And so that's the growth mindset piece where you have hit an obstacle. And so now you're just asking questions like, okay, how do I solve this problem? You're not internalizing the identity that the problem is you. The problem right. is I still can't speak Spanish and I feel like that's should that I should be able to. And so you're going out and finding the tools and you're absolutely you know, right because it, it is a function of that because this is the, my whole motivation model is built on the growth mindset mm -hmm. versus the fixed mindset. Um, you're not a victim. Right. You're never a victim. We can say, you know, I was treated this way or this thing happened or that thing happened. But the reality is it's your response that yeah. got you where you are, not the thing. And People so dumber again, than you speak Spanish. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know it can be done. And the whole point being is, yes, I just need to find the right spots to get the right help to do the right thing. And I know it's going to be repetition. I know it's going to be getting outside of my comfort zone time yeah. and time again. It's going to be hard. I know I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I know I'm going to have people laugh at me because they said the wrong word at the wrong time, yep. the wrong way. Uh, yep. You know, the wrong vowel was emphasized or something, and it meant something entirely yeah. different. But it's that whole concept of saying, okay, as a self-managed person, I know I need a coach. I know I'm going to need some group support. And then over time, through repetition, I'll build knowledge and habits, and eventually I will identify that way. And then I'll solve that. I'll feel comfortable with that. Then it may be that I need, I want to do something else. Maybe I yeah. want to start doing a podcast in Spanish for health and fitness because there's not oh, enough of, maybe wow. there's not enough of those. Okay. Well, again, I'm shooting the arrow past the target, remember? And so right. it's the whole concept yeah. of who am I going to be, not who am I now? What are the yeah. limits? I don't have to set a limit. I can just say, okay, if all I can do today is walk a mile, I'll give you a better example. I had a client, she hired me. She said she hated exercise. She said she got winded walking from her house to her car in the morning. So she'd get into her car and sit there and have to catch her breath. And wow. she hated that feeling. Okay. So I said, okay, tomorrow I want you to walk to your car and then do a lap around it. I said, I know it'll be harder, but I want you to do that tomorrow. Will you do that? She said, yes. And then the next day and the next day. After a few days, we got back on the phone. I was talking to her. I said, okay, how's it going? She said, well, you know, it's getting easier. I said, okay, t tomorrow, two laps. Mm 
Okay. We did this after about three weeks. She was walking around the neighborhood. She said, I went for a walk today. Can you, she's like, can you believe that? I, just, I went for a walk. I walked around the neighborhood and it felt good. If we'll just set our sights on what we need to see, and maybe it's just the next mile marker, maybe it's just a lap around your car, but whatever yeah. it is, you set that sight and you say, okay, I'm going to do this little thing. And you get yeah. that win. And then you say, okay, tomorrow I'll make it just a little outside of my yeah. comfort zone, just a little, you know, gentle nudge just outside my yeah. comfort zone and live in that for a moment. And then you come back the next day, you're like, I've got to go to that same line and, and do it again and again. That's the repetition that builds habits, the pushing yeah. yourself, the self-management and that self-efficacy steps up and you become the person yeah. you're supposed to be. Yeah. One of the superpowers I feel like I've acquired as a coach that that I get to use in my own life. It's like I get to take my power home from work and that is the ability to break down goals. I think so many people, their biggest obstacle is they don't understand how to set a goal. I call it the low bar method. Like your goal has to be so low that you can get out of bed if you forget to do it and go do it and then count it as a win. And I think one of my my approaches with people is they hand me their goal and I, you know, if it's a goal for a year from now, I break it into 365 pieces and then I break it into 24 pieces, you know, 24 hours in a day. And then I'll break it down into 60 minute pieces and then I'll break it down into one minute. People don't understand that this is accomplished not by quantum leaps but by one small action at a time. And the next right action for you is the one you're going to do. And most people, we set our where we should be. Like you started in the beginning, we're looking back and we should be able to you know, run for an hour or lift this amount of weights. And really, we might have to start with doing laps around the car and deal with the fact that's a win and not a reflection of how far we've fallen. It's just the reframe that is so powerful. Yeah. You know, this guy, I could, you know, I could talk about this stuff forever, but I mean, goal setting is, it's a skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, one of the things about goal setting that I really struggle with is that so many people focus on the objective and then they set an objective based goal. And, and I think it's important to have kind of a vision to have a place I'm going so I can say, okay, mm -hmm. I always want to be able to open my own pickle jar. I never want to be sitting in the kitchen wanting a pickle and I can't open the jar because from that point forward, I'm now dependent on somebody else or something else to open my pickle jars for me. And so if my goal, it seems kind of funny, but if my goal is to open a pickle jar, then I know I need to build grip strength, right? And if I know I still want to open the pickle jar when I'm in my seventies, eighties, nineties and beyond, then I know I have to keep that grip strength. And it, but if all I'm thinking about is my grip strength, then I'm not thinking about something I can control because right. something might happen to my hands and outside of my control, an autoimmune disease or something like that wasn't really self-inflicted. And then suddenly I've got issues with my hands and my grip strength starts to go. So that's yeah. outside my control, just like weight loss, your body's going to lose weight at the rate it's going to lose weight. You can do things to make that happen. And then that goes to the other side of the doing. Motivation gets done by doing. So does your goals. So your goals get done or your visions get done by action, by doing. And so when I set goals with my clients, I call them A, 
oh, a smart goals. Now you may have heard of smart goals, which yeah. is specific, measurable, uh, attainable, relevant, Realistic. and time bound. Timely yeah, something. relevant. I use attainable as that, and then relevant, and yeah. then time bound. Okay, so basically, you do you write a goal that way. You you have almost all of the fashion to do it. It's, okay, I want to lose five pounds this month. Okay, roughly that means I have to lose a, a little over a pound per week. So you could try breaking that into time. But what if tomorrow? What if this week I don't lose the one pound? Did I fail? Mm-hmm. Okay, but if I said okay to lose weight, what I know I have to do is I have to cut back on something. Yeah. And it can be how, how many times I eat something that's not food or say I'm going to eat, I, like I, maybe I eat too much bread. So I just say, okay, no, if I'm eating too much bread that I'm going to have a trouble losing weight. So I say, okay, how often do I eat bread now? Say three times a week. Okay. Can I take that down to two? Yeah. So my goal for the week for each day is just to eat no more for that week is to eat no more than two servings of bread. Yeah. Yeah. And I can do that. I know I can do that. And like you said, it's right there. It's that next mile marker. I was driving through Colorado and I was on the straight road and I'm driving and the mountains seem to be moving with me. It's almost like I'm not moving at all. I'm doing 85 miles per hour down this highway. And there's just this feeling of I'm never going to get there. I'm never mm-hmm. going to get there because nothing, everything seemed to be moving with me. It's like it, it, the place I wanted to go yeah. was just as far after I had driven an hour than it was now. The road was so straight and so long. Yeah. I hardly knew I was moving mm-hmm. until I started watching the mile markers go by. And at 85 miles per hour, that was happening in about 47 seconds. Yeah. And so I'm literally just watching them about every 47 yeah. seconds. There went another one. Okay, I am moving forward. I am yeah. moving forward. I might not feel like I'm closer to the big picture of what I wanted, like 20 yeah. pounds of weight loss or still being able to yeah. open a pickle jar, but I know yeah. I'm I know I'm still going in the right direction. I know I'm doing the right things. And cuz I, yeah. I can see those mile markers. So breaking it down, yes, is very important, but make them action oriented. It's something you can control versus, oh, I didn't lose 5 pounds this week, so I'm probably not going to make the goal for the month. Yeah, or the, the year. The- the way I always encourage people to frame it is the result you want should be a side effect of your goal. One of the possible side effects. So the goal is not the result. The goal is the action. So it's not, I'm going to lose five pounds. My goal is, okay, I've got three appointments at the gym, very specific. You know, I've got you know, this goal with, you know, my eating or what I am or I am not like, and then you get the win. And that's where you have to incorporate the relationship with yourself, where you have to give yourself full credit for partial wins and allow your brain to reward you, which means you're not withholding pleasure from yourself because the side effect hasn't been achieved, but you're actually basking in the fact that you did the hard thing. And that is actually how self-directed neuroplasticity works is we are evident, or excuse me, motivation is fueled by evidence of progress. So those little mile markers are what you have to pay attention to. And then your brain is going to start telling you a story. Oh, you're doing it. Oh, we've made progress. You look back, you see how far you've come instead of just focusing on how far you go. These mindset shifts and little word plays that we're saying, you know, the goal's the side effect, the action, 
you have to reward yourself for the actions without being so attached to the results so that you can be okay regardless of the outcome and not fall off and give up and, you know, then you put it all in the growth mindset. I mean, it's all one big bag of tools that work together. It is. And that's why when I'm coaching someone or even on my podcast or in my book, I I just always tell them, if you don't get your head right, you're never going to go where you want to go. It is all, this whole battle is won and lost inside your head. Not what you put in your mouth, not how much activity you're doing or how you're sleeping or how you're managing stress. Those are pillars of health for sure, but you're always going to fall back on old wiring if you don't do the time and effort to rewire. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you have a podcast and a book. Can you know let the audience know where to find you? Sure. The 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is actually the longest running and largest podcast for people over the health and fitness, for people over 40 for health and fitness. I launched it in 2015. An episode, as we record this, episode 628 went live today. Um, wow. There was nothing out there for people over 40 back then. I am so happy to see that there are other people in this space today. I am very glad to see that. When I launched the podcast, I've been doing that now for over eight years. I've also been training people online for over eight years with my 40 plus fitness. I have a Facebook group and I did write a book. It's called The Wellness Roadmap, a straightforward guide for health and fitness over 40, for people over 40. And that book you can get on Amazon. But what I did was I created a special page specifically for this uh, interview. So if you go to 40plus.com forward slash Colleen, so that's 40plusfitness.com Colleen, you'll find a page there. I'll do, there'll be a little summary of this. This is so that I can send people to you that I am interacting with and say, hey, go listen to this podcast because it's really cool. Um, it's called not, It's Not About the Alcohol with Colleen and go check it out. So it'll work both ways. But if you go there, you'll find links to all this stuff and can learn more about me there. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed this conversation, Alan. Thank you, Colleen. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you appreciated this episode, please share it. Either text a link to a friend or post it on your social medias. I really appreciate it. You know, this podcast isn't going to grow by itself. I need all of you and my community to help spread the word so that people who are looking for strategies and tools to change their mind about who they are and how they show up in the world are able to find them. And then if you'd like to know more about my specific approach to helping women overcome alcohol use disorder using the seven core principles of emotional sobriety that I teach inside the next chapter, Get in the show notes and register for the free masterclass I'm doing on Thursday. As soon as you sign up, you'll get instant access to my pre-recorded part one, which is covers the five mistakes that turn normal drinkers into overdrinkers. You'll also get instant access to the workbook that goes with the two-part series and also includes bonus content and exercises. And while I highly encourage you to come to the live webinar, which is part two, the seven core principles, I highly encourage you to come to that live. If you can't, when you register, you will receive a copy of the replay. So whether you can come or not, you can get two free webinars plus the workbook. 
And my objective of this series, these, this two-part series, is for you to walk away with a clear orientation of where you are in the change process, where you are, how you got here, and where you want to go and how to get there. And so it's a powerful training, you know, whether you're interested in working with me or not, doesn't matter. You're going to walk away with the guideposts and the framework and the strategies that you're going to need to master if you're truly interested in transforming your life, not your behavior, but your actual self, your identity, so that what you do and how you act and how you think just becomes a side effect of who you really are. So that's in the show notes, the masterclass register. I also have a link to the secret podcast, my free course on the foundations of emotional sobriety, as well as Alan's information. You can find his book and his podcast and his website. So thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.